Ooh, what a crazy show we have today, ladies and gentlemen. Hello, everybody. This is Harlan Williams. You are rolling down the Harlan Highway. Yes, and today we're going to mix the uh, the ethereal with the serious and the informative. It's, it's a, an eclectic show today. Um, we're going to uh, pick up where we left off on the school shooting thing. That's kind of the serious part. Around mid-show, we're going to be talking about, uh, we're going to be taking some phone calls from some of the pavement pounders and hear their thoughts about uh, the school shootings. And in fact, a school teacher calls in and uh, gives us his point of view, which I I found really fascinating. Also, uh, we're going to be going into the ethereal. Uh, We're getting in touch with a man who, who apparently passed away but came back, and he's going to share with us his his. His moment going into the afterlife. He believes that he may have passed into the beyond, but he he was revived and he came back. And we've all heard these stories about people who think that, you know, they walked into the light and they saw God and all this and that. So we actually have a gentleman who's been through that, and it's just it's gonna be fascinating, I'm sure. And then lastly, uh, some celebrity news. Uh, speaking of going beyond, a friend of mine has died, a, a famous actor, and also another actor that I just love. Wait till you hear it on the Harlan Highway. I have an announcement. You are about to go down the Harlan Highway. Lock the door. I don't want to be a product of my environment. Shut up! I want my environment to be a product you're riding down the Harlan Highway. So, who do I have to fuck to get off this phone? I can get you off. Maybe, maybe not. Maybe fuck yourself. Ah, you're a cantaloupe. Shame, Big Daddy. That's why I'm a drunk. When I'm drunk, I can stand myself. Keep leaning on that tutor, Charlie, and you're gonna get a shot in the mouth. Act like a man! What's the matter with you? I wasn't really sure what was going on. You're listening to Harlan Williams. The rest is bullshit, and you know it. How many of you believe in the afterlife? Ooh, ooh, that's kind of a heavy way to start the show, Mr. Williams. Well, it's a question, you know, I think we all think about. How many of you think that when you die, you go off into another place, another plane, and your soul or your essence or whatever you want to call it lives again? And from time to time, you hear these incredible stories about people that, that, you know, have passed away for a few minutes, their hearts have stopped, they've They've been, uh, you know, in uh, an intensive care or they've had a heart attack or a stroke. And and for all intents and purposes, they've been pronounced dead. But then they come back to life and they claim that they've they've seen something or they 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 witnessed something they 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 saw something while they were in that state. And somehow they're brought back. The doctors bring them back or their heart starts up again. And they bring back with them the experience of the other side, as they call it. And so uh, we have a person, and I thought it was such a fascinating topic. We have a person who experienced such a thing, and uh, we uh, asked him if he'd come on the show and share his experience with us. And uh, graciously, he's uh, agreed to be here. Uh, Not here, but uh, uh, talk to us on the phone. And so this is going to be riveting. I've I w- I've never met someone who claims to have been. Well, I did meet someone a long time ago, actually, but I didn't get a chance to grill them the way I want to, you know, ask this person. So without further ado, uh, this gentleman can tell us his story. I'll, I'll let him tell the story and and explain what happened and what he saw. And uh, I think this is going to be. A really intense segment, and I'm excited. So uh, let's bring on Roger. Is he on the phone? Yeah? Okay, let's bring him on. It's uh, Daniel Eckers. Where's he from? What part of the world? Yeah. He's from Atlanta? Okay. 
Daniel Eckers. And I'm not going to ask what he does or what he – I can ask him all that when, uh, when we get on the air. Okay, here we go. Uh, it, 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 opening the show, delving into the afterlife. Uh, let's, let's, uh, let's open up the phone line and take this call from Daniel Eckers. Uh, hello, Mr. Eckers. Are you, are you there, sir? Hello, Mr. Williams. Hello, sir. How are you today? Well, I'm happy to be alive, sir. I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful to be, uh, alive. Uh, yes. Great to hear from you, uh, Mr. Eckers. And, um, Quite an experience you've been through, and thank you for sharing with us today. Um, may I ask, sir, right out of the gate, how old you are? Uh, no, absolutely. I'm, uh, I'm 79 years old, sir. Oh, my my goodness. And, and, and so let's jump right in. Tell us what happened. Uh, you were... You were, um, you were Something happened and you were, I mean... Well, let, let me tell the story, if you don't mind, Mr. Williams. Please, I'm fumbling a little because I, I don't know where to begin. First of all, can you tell us what, what, you, what you do, sir, or what you did? Well, uh, I, was, uh, I worked in a warehouse. I was in the packaging department, and uh, I had a long career. It was uh, a very uneventful life, but I, I made a steady paycheck. And I was happy, and uh, I raised two kids, and my my beautiful wife Samantha, God rest her soul, was passed on. Uh, but uh, it, it was a uh, it was a good life, a good life, Mr. Williams. Fantastic, sir. And and so bring us through what happened about a year ago. Uh, you were you were doing some things, and uh, this tragedy struck, so to speak. Well, I, I, you know, in retrospect, I wouldn't call it a, a tragedy. I would, I would refer to it as, as almost an enlightenment, Mr. Williams. Uh, uh, you know, initially, uh, you know, when I had my heart attack, uh, I, I, I was like any other person would be. I was, I was, uh, I was filled with anxiety. I, I thought, how long do I have? Uh, and and I thought this that this was the end. The events that unfolded that are, are borderline supernatural and almost unexplainable uh, uh, filled me with a whole sense of renewal and and uh, a brand new outlook uh, on, on life. Wow! So, so so, if you don't mind talking about it, sir, where were you? You said you had a, a massive heart attack. I had a, a massive coronary heart attack. I was walking actually. Uh, through a parking lot, I, I was uh, I was doing some shopping, and uh, I was walking back to my car, and uh, all of a sudden, my, my it's like my body just froze, like like I was I was hit with a stun gun, or I was, you know some kind of arctic breeze just froze me in my tracks, and I I couldn't move. I could I could see, uh, I could hear, uh, but uh, I. Uh, I couldn't move my limbs. I was just, I was just completely immobilized. Wow! And 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 was there anyone around? Was it? Well, uh, you'd think there would be in a parking lot, but uh, but I guess it just as uh, fate would have it. Uh, there was, you know, there was no one coming in out of their vehicles or uh, the stores, and 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 I just stood there, kind of transfixed, like 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 a deer in the headlights. And, and this 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 warm feeling came over me, and I, I could feel a, a deep. It's hard, hard to talk about it, but I felt a deep, deep pain in the middle of my chest. Oh my God! Yeah, I think everybody fears that, sir. Oh, it was it, it was immediately. I I think I understood what was happening to me, Mr. Williams, and uh, I was just uh, you know I I, I kind of. And I thought, my God, is is this the day? Oh my God, sir, this is this is dramatic. And 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 so, how long did this last? Well, it was almost before I could finish my thought of saying a prayer or whatnot, I I, I think just started to fade. 
they, they started to, to go. <coughs> excuse, excuse me, Mr. Williams. That's, that's okay. Take your time, sir. I thank you. I appreciate that. I'm on a respirator right now. And oh, okay. Just uh, no rush, sir. Thank you. Thank you so much. And, and so things just started to fade to black. And, and I, could, I could just see the light going out. And, and next thing I knew, I felt myself falling, falling right down onto the pavement. Oh, my God. That, that's just frightening. And, and, and after that, uh, everything was just black. And I thought, this, my God, I'm, 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 it's over. And, and, and yet, in my head, I was like, well, well, how can I be aware that it's over? Uh, if I'm aware, then I, I must still be alive somehow, Mr. Williams. Yeah, I, I, I think you're right. Like, if the, It sounds like your mind was still actively working, sir. Exactly. And, and, and so there I was uh, on the ground uh, surrounded by darkness, and I, I think my eyes were still open, but everything was black. And all of a sudden, from the edge of the darkness, I could feel a light coming in. I could see, visually see a light coming in. It was a, it was a beautiful light. It was white, and it, it had flashes of red in it, and and maybe even a, a little tinge of, of yellow. And, and it was just, it was the most... Was, just, just take your time, sir. We understand. It, it, this is hard to... God, so you, you, it's almost like you were you were recovering from the heart attack. I, I don't know if I was. I don't. Just, just okay, sir. Take your time. Thank you, Mr. Wood. I don't know if I was recovering or if I was being delivered. If I was being delivered back into the into the world, because Mr. Williams. I I was gone. I was down on the ground. I could have been there for 15 minutes. I, heck, I could have been there for half an hour, sir. Yeah, I guess you don't know if, if, if you were unconscious, if you blacked out. You don't know how long you were out. Exactly. And so, with all the strength I could muster, and again, I was, I was afraid that even moving would, would trigger my heart to, to seize on me again, you see. And I, I pushed myself up off the ground. And there was this light. And I, and I, I remember I extended my arm. I put, I put my hand out in front of me. And I, I felt like I could almost touch it. And I started walking. With one foot after the other, I started walking towards this, this beautiful, inviting light. It was, it was beckoning me. It was calling to me. Oh my God, sir! This is this is. I mean, do you think this was the light of uh, light of God? I don't know if you're religious, but do you think this was the light of of eternity, of of, of uh, the gateway to heaven? I, I I don't know. I don't know. All I knew in that moment, Mister Williams, is that someone was calling me, and I had to follow it. Oh, I filled up with with so much joy and. So much beauty. It's, it's like my my soul filled up like an empty tank. <laughs> Mr. Williams. Y yes, yes, sir. Yes, sir. It was it was like touching the face of God. It was like it was like embracing 
unbridled joy. I can't even describe without get, get, getting emotional how how much that light renewed renewed me, filled me up, brought me back from the precipice of of wherever it was that dark, empty crevasse that I was looking into, Mr. Williams. And then there I was, guided into the light like a moth to a flame. And it was beautiful. I could feel tears rolling down my face and over my cheeks. And I could taste the salt in my tears, not that the light. It was... It felt like it was eternal, that it was otherworldly, that it came from another place, Mr. Williams. Oh, my God, sir. Yes, yes. I, and, and this is what I talked about in the intro, that that people seem to be drawn to this light. They, 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 they recollect seeing a, a light that was warm and, and, like, heavenly and so on. Oh, all that and, and, and triple quadruple that. <laughs> Excuse me. Oh my goodness, my respirators. Are just let me just give me a minute to adjust the dial. Yes, take take your time, sir. There we go. Uh, so so anyways, uh, yes, we'll continue, sir. This is riveting. What what happened next? You said you started walking towards the, this this light. My God! So you, oh my God! My God is exactly what I thought, Mister Williams. I'll, I'll try to recreate it, but it was a distant, a distant, comforting, warm, inviting voice. And at first, I couldn't make it out. It was like it was. It was mumbled. It was garbled, Mister Williams. It was. It was, it was hard. To Make out almost inaudible, if you will, sir. Oh my God! And, and I, I mean, you're in the, you're in this din, you're in this fog, as you say, and out of it comes this, this, this. Is it, was it, was it a voice like you'd ever heard before? It was not, Mister Williams. It was otherworldly. Is the only word I could use to describe this voice, sir. Otherworldly. It did, did not sound like a like a voice or uh, that I had. Oh my God! This I'm on the edge of my seat here, sir. And uh, as 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 was I, Mr. Williams, if you can imagine. And and so now my my inclination, my my, my instinct, my spirit, maybe I, I I don't know if if it was my inner spirit was following the sound of this voice. It was just oh, guiding me. <clears throat> Take it easy, sir. Do you need to adjust your your oxygen tank? Absolutely. So, so you're going towards the voice. Uh, you're in the, the the white and and red and sort of yellowish light. Uh, the light is, is getting stronger. The closer I get to the voice, the stronger and louder this the, the, the light gets. The the, the, the light. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, uh... It's okay. So you 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 you, you understand your emotional. You said as you got closer into the light, deeper, closer to the light, the, the voice uh, got louder. Yes. Oh, my God, yes. It, uh, it got louder, and it started to become clearer. It got clearer as I got closer and closer to the light. And I heard... Whoa, what was that, sir? Well, still, I, 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 I couldn't make it out. I heard real clear, Mr. Williams, as clear as day. I'm right up to the light. And I hear, for the first time, I hear 
I hear the words coming out of the light. Oh my God! What 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 were the words, sir? Do you remember? Oh, I'll never forget them. It changed my life forever. I'll never forget them. C- can you share what the, the, these words were? These otherworldly words were, sir. Yes, I'd I'd like to. Okay, please, sir, go ahead. What 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 was the the, the words that came from the, from the light on the other side? Oh, my God. Like you're being welcomed? No, I wasn't finished, Mr. Williams. So, sorry, sir. Go ahead. Welcome. Welcome to the Wendy's drive-thru. What was, what was that, sir? I heard it. As, it, was, it was in a different voice. I'll try and emulate the voice. Wait, what? the Wendy's drive-thru, sir? Oh, just just hearing you say it, it takes me back to the, the place where I was I was almost in a trance. Uh, I was I was the the, the, the white and then the, the red light. Wait a minute, it Wendy's isn't the Wendy's logo isn't their their sign for Wendy's white and red and with some yellow in it? Are you asking me, sir? Yes, you, you said you saw a red and white light and a little, a little yellow. Indeed, that's correct. It was, it was otherworldly. Well, those are the colors, that, the corporate colors of Wendy's, and you're saying that the, the voice said, Welcome to the Wendy's drive-thru, may I take your order? Daniel, if you could just control yourself for a second. What what happened next, sir? Well, of course, I was discombobulated. I'm, I'm like, I'm on another planet. I'm, I'm, where am I? And and I, I looked behind me, and, 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 and there was, there was a, people lined up. I don't know if these were other souls, other souls waiting to get into, into the gates of heaven, but there were two lights and, and horns honking in celebration. I don't know if they were angels, angels blasting their trumpets or... What, two lights and horns? Oh, it, it was hard to look. It was an intense white light. And the horns like... Ee, 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 and, and just a line, just a line, you know, seven or eight deep. Light horn, sir. Were they car headlights? I, I don't know. I don't know, Mister Williams. I think they were angels. I think they were they, they were angels, and then they were blowing their trumpets. Sir, it sounds like car horns, perhaps. They did a, a little bit, a little bit, but who knows the the secrets of angels? And they were like ee ee, and then the lights started flashing, and I, I'm standing there talking to God. You're talking to God? Oh, I remember it as clear as, as day. I remember his voice, and it, he was like, with that strange, alien, foreign voice, he was like, Would you like to try our double baconator cheeseburger? Sir, were you at a dr- the Wendy's drive through I was at the gateway to heaven. And I'll never, he said, Would you like fries with that, sir? Would you like fries with that? Oh, did you, there it is again. Oh, my God. Would you like fries with that? And my, my, my pain's going away. The veil is lifted. I'm feeling healthy all of a sudden. And Sir, would you like fries? Would you like to try the, the double cheeseburger baconator? Oh. oh, my God. I'm getting emotional. Sir, would... It sounds like you might have fainted in a parking lot. 
you were disoriented and you you wandered in into a Wendy's drive-thru without a car. Did you walk right up to the drive-thru sign? You know, everybody's got a different name for heaven. I think everybody has a different vision of heaven. No, I don't think this was heaven, sir, Mr. Eckers. Well, sir, it sounds like you had an accident in a part. You might have fainted or fallen, and when you got up out of the daze, you 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 were drawn to the the light of the drive-through window or the sign where you order. Well, that sounds. Uh, you know, I I didn't come on your show to be challenged, Mr. Williams. I've I've, I've touched the face of heaven, and and you're you're. you're you're accusing me of, of going for fast food. Well, sir, it's in your story. You, you just said, welcome to Wendy's. Would you like a double cheeseburger? Would you like fries with that? You know, if you're going to sit here and blasphemy God, well, I, well, I was on death's door. Sir, I'm not. I'm not trying to impugn your your religion or 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 challenge you, but I, I think maybe your wires are crossed a bit. I don't know that you were at the gates of heaven. I think you wandered up to a drive-through and people were in cars honking at you because you were on foot. You can't walk through a drive-through. Oh, I see. So now you're telling me that I belong in hell. I didn't say you belong in hell, sir. I'm just. Chal- I don't think you were at heaven. I think you walked in through up to a Wendy's drive-through sign, and and you were talking to a speaker. I don't think God talks through speakers. Maybe you didn't hear me, Mr. Williams. Hi, welcome to Wendy's drive-through. Would you like a uh, double cheeseburger, baconator? You're making my point, sir. Oh, and, and you, are you telling me God would say something like this? Would you like fries with that? Uh, regular fries or curly fries? Hello? Curly fries or regular fries? Sir, I, you know what? I, I, with all due respect, I think maybe there's been a miscommunication here. And I, 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 I think maybe you're, you're a Satan worshiper is what I think. I'm not a Satan worshiper, sir. I just, you, you, your story isn't adding up. And at first we thought you were going into the light, but clearly you wandered into a, was it dark that night? Well, yes, it was 11 o'clock at night, for God's sakes. It was dark, and I, I saw the light. You saw a Wendy's drive through and you walked right up to the speaker, and it wasn't God. It was some pimply-faced kid with a microphone asking you if you wanted a cheeseburger and fries. Now you listen here. You listen here, you atheist asshole. I'm not going to stay on the line after I've had a face-to-face one-on-one with the Savior, Lord God himself. And you're going to tell me I showed up for fast food in the middle of the night? Sir, I hate to say it. Go straight to hell in a chicken basket, you son of a whore. What? What the hell? What is going on here? Roger, where did you get this guy? What the shit? Here I am thinking this. Holy God. What what the hell was that? This guy just took almost half an hour to tell us he went to a a drive, walked into a drive-thru. What the, Roger, you know, do you think you could screen our callers a little bit better, man? Holy God, folks, I got to apologize. I I was drawn into this guy. I really thought this guy was one of these guys. And here we go. Wendy's drive through. He was the red and white light. Do you want curly fries? Do you want fries with that? He said, that's what God says. What a joke. You know, Roger, let's just, let's get it together, man. I, I'm sure half of our listeners now are pissed off and they probably stopped listening. 
For those of you that are still with us, I apologize for this miscommunication. What a Daniel Eckers. Can we just move on, man? Let's take a phone call or something, okay? Please, let's just take a, a pavement pounder phone call. Let's totally switch gears. Hello? Hello? Hey, Rocket Man. It's Chuck, your old bass fishing buddy from the hills of the Ozarks. Enjoy your podcast, as always. Hey, uh, just listen to your podcast on the Florida school shooting and gun control. I thought I'd just pitch in on that, being from the Ozarks. Um, I'm a gun owner, got several handguns and an AR-15, but at the same time, I'm also a public school teacher. This is my 31st year of teaching in the public school, so I thought I might have a valid opinion on this. Man, you hit the nail on the head, brother. What we got to do is protect our schools. It's not that hard of a solution. The problem is the government doesn't want to spend any money on our public schools to protect our most important asset, our kids. Think about it. You can't go to the post office or a government building uh, without going through a metal detector and they have bodyguards and everything. So they're protected, but they don't want to protect our kids and our teachers. Makes me mad. You came up with a good solution, though, with the protected doors. And um, I just wanted to throw my opinion in on that. That's what we need to do. We need to have metal detectors. We need to have bulletproof glass at the entries to the schools. And we need to have more school resource officers. So anyway... Man, keep up the good work. What's the biggest smallmouth bass you've caught lately? Hey, as always, enjoy listening. Chicken chow mein, baby. Wow, chicken chow mein chuck right there. Uh, It's so nice to hear from uh, somebody who's actually got some knowledge on the uh, situation. I, I love it that Chuck's a teacher. And uh, and he's uh, he's got a valid uh, perspective of of the school shootings. You know, first of all, just listening to the the phone call, the message, isn't it scary that there's even a conversation happening where we're talking about children, schools, bulletproof glass, bulletproof doors, security guards. I mean, isn't it a a very bizarre and strange world, dangerous, violent world we live in when when we're in a time where we're this is even a thing? I mean, at what point in your life did you ever uh, think you'd be associating schools with children with bulletproof glass and and armed guards and death and destruction and shooting and killing and Guns and rifles and, oh, my God. That's the first thing that's like a bucket of water in the face. You know, it's just like, whoa, really? Like, that's almost like what's next. Like, you ever been to a hospital and you've seen that area where they put all the newborn babies? Right? It's, it's like that big area and the, and the husbands and the wives, they stand outside and they look through the window. There's our new kid. There's our new kid. Like imagine, uh, imagine that scenario where where there's there's armed cops and guards and the glass was bulletproof. Because eventually things got so violent in society that 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 that's the next phase. We got to protect. There's been some some baby incubator uh, holding areas shot up. Like that's kind of how startling it is that 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 our schools full of children are experiencing this. But uh, another thing is, you know, I, I did talk about the, uh, the, the school thing, and I didn't so much talk about gun control because I've, I've learned that people just go apeshit if you talk about gun control. I get some nasty phone calls and some nasty emails from people who just go off. So I don't talk about gun control. What I talked about in my, in my, uh, my podcast where I talked about all these school shootings, I talked about solutions. What, what could we do? To protect the children, what can we do to prevent these shootings or at least slow them down or at least limit the damage? And, you know, I got some blowback from some listeners just for for mentioning 
like preventive measures and thinking of ways that we can be creative and protective. There were some angry people. That, oh, well, you know, you know, the guns and the thing. And, you, oh, you can't do this. And you're crazy. What's wrong with you? And I was, I was like, wait, what? So it's a very touchy thing. And I'm, I'm not telling anyone they can't have a Just for the record, I'm not telling anyone they can't have a gun or can't have a gun or guns are good or guns are bad. I'm not getting into that, man. I'm just saying if there's a problem at the schools and people are getting shot, then how can we do something to stop the shootings or protect when the shootings happen or whatever? But it was nice to hear from uh, this teacher, this wonderful teacher, Chuck, uh, that he, as a teacher in the schools, thinks that that uh, it, it's, it, it would be prudent to uh, find ways to uh, prevent it, to put in bulletproof glass and, and the types of doors they put on cockpits in, in airplanes so that, you know, it'd be hard, if not impossible, for a shooter to penetrate a classroom and start shooting. Um, so it was, it, was, it was neat to hear that he thinks that's a good idea. And, uh, you know, it's, it's like something's got to be done. He makes a great point where he says it's like, well, wh- why is it that the politicians and the and the and the libraries and the and the, the you know the, the uh, airports and all these other public places are crawling with people with guns and bulletproof glass, but but we don't have it with our kids, and I think this might be the answer. It's what I said at the beginning. I don't think we ever, ever thought or expected that schools would become the battlegrounds and and the, uh, the, the 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 death the death places that they've become and so I think society's scrambling and going oh crap it's almost like I said with the with the baby holding area at the hospital it's like you would never expect that to be a dangerous place and then if all of a sudden it was you'd be like wait what it's almost like it doesn't compute and so everyone's frazzled. Well, you know what? The days of being frazzled are over. It, it's it's like it's not an anomaly. These aren't these aren't isolated incidents. These aren't random. These are these are becoming more and more frequent, and they become unfortunately a part of life. So it's it's like you you almost have to redesign it. It's like remember cars cars in the '60s. A lot of the early automobiles didn't have seatbelts. They didn't have airbags. They didn't have they didn't have uh, equipment in it like bumpers that could shock absorb, and they didn't have sensors that could detect uh, oncoming traffic or if you're getting too close. They didn't have rear view cameras. But what we what did we do to the automobile? We knew people were dying. So guess what? Not only did they put in seatbelts, well, people were ignoring them. They made it the law. You had to put it on. And then they put in airbags, which started saving lives. And then they started putting in motion sensors. And, 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 and now we're getting to the point where cars are going to be autonomous, where they drive themselves to take out the human error. Is that bad? No, that's saving lives. So why can't we effectively take the human error out of schools? Why can't we redesign, reconfigure schools so that we limit the amount of death and destruction. Now, let's look at the car again. Even though we've done all this stuff with cars, people still die. People still get killed in car accidents, but it's way less. And if we become autonomous with cars where there's no more human drivers, it's probably going to get almost down to zero. So if we can fix that problem... If we can fix uh, getting screened at the airport, then surely without this becoming a gun issue or a Second Amendment issue, and I'm not, no one's talking about taking away your weapons. It's about acknowledging that there's weapons and that bad people get their hands on the weapons. And so let's reinforce our schools and protect our children for when these freaks do decide to assault the schools and kill the innocent children. So I don't want anyone writing me or calling me and going, ah, if you hate the Second Amendment, you don't like, go back where you came from. You don't like guns. What's the matter with you, boy? 
Got nothing to do with that. I like I like children. I like human life. I like I like people living. I like children being able to go to school and coming home and seeing their mom and dad. How about that? It's not a gun issue. It's a safety and protection issue from the freaks that don't know how to use a gun properly. They want to kill. So there you go, Chuck. Uh, good, good to hear your point of view, man. That was really cool. I really liked uh, hearing hearing it coming from a teacher, and not that I'm looking to score points or win a side, because there's probably people listening to what I just said going, "No, nah, wrong, stupid." So I'm not trying to win. I'm just throwing ideas out there. But it was nice to hear someone who's actually in the field in the schools thinking that some of what I said was was uh, practical and a good idea. So very cool. Chuck, thank you. As far as your fishing question, uh, I haven't caught a smallmouth bass for a while, probably about three, four years ago. And I would say it was probably a pound, three quarters of a pound, not huge. If you want the big bass, you got to go for the largemouth bass. And interestingly enough, I'm a fisherman, and I've caught tons and tons. I've caught thousands of fish in my life, okay, thousands. And one of the species I've never hooked into is a largemouth bass. I've always been in smallmouth bass lakes and waters. And those smallmouth bass fight like a tornado, man. They are one of the most aggressive, friskiest fish. Like even a small, smallmouth bass on your line, make it feels like you got something much bigger. Those papas can preach. And so I can only imagine the battle a largemouth bass could give. So this summer, I'm heading up to a lake that I know up in Canada, Chuck, that has great smallmouth bass fishing, and I'm going to be hooking into some up there. And don't worry, folks, I'm a catch-and-release guy. I catch them. I take them off gingerly, tenderly. Uh, I try not to let the hook do any damage. And I set them back into the water, happy and free, and hopefully none the worse for wear. Although I can't say I'd like to have a pointy hook go through my cheek for a few minutes and then have it taken out. But better that than just dying and being killed, right? Maybe we should put bulletproof bulletproof glass around bass. Keep them from getting caught. Let's protect everything. But anyways, uh, Chuck, great phone call, buddy. Thank you for your perspective from the inside. And, uh, you know, regardless of whatever I have to say or what Chuck has to say, let's all just hope, regardless of where you stand, that whatever your opinion is, we find a way to end this to, to whatever the solution may be. I don't know if it's let's give the kids guns. Let's, let's, have, let's put cannons on the roof. Let's have Kim Jong-un stand in front of the door. I don't know what it is, but let's hope we find the solution because none of us, no matter what our point of view is, wants to see another school shooting and innocent children die. It's so horrible. It's something we didn't have to think about. When I, when I was born into this world, that stuff didn't occur. For the first 20 years of my life, that was non-existent, and now it's here. And that's why I'm saying, oh, what's next? Uh, the, the baby incubation room? Everyone's like, no, who would go in and shoot up babies? That's not, well, guess what? I didn't ever thought someone would shoot up schools either. So we got we to gotta find ways to counteract this stuff, man. Hello, Harland. Hey, um, so I was listening to your podcast, um, and of course, uh, you know, people are trying to come up with solutions, answers, whatnot about these shootings at the schools and stuff. And first thing that comes to mind to me, um, I don't know, maybe it's silly, but why don't we just put two Marines at all the schools? Just like two Marines, like our army is huge, uh, you know, our military is huge. I mean, they're more equipped than cops in these kind of situations. They're ready for war. Um, why don't we just put two Marines? I mean, let's just, you know, get a couple thousand from the military. I don't see that as a big deal. We got, we got Marines. We got, we got the Army. Uh, we got Navy. Let's just get a couple thousand to make our schools safe. Um, all right. Yeah. That's, I don't know. It seems right. Two Marines. All right. Chicken chow mein.
Yeah, you know, hey, two Marines is better than no Marines. I mean, he makes a good point. You got two guys that are trained for battle. They're 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 probably in an excellent shot with their weapons. They're they've been programmed to fight. They've been programmed to defend. And uh, you know, not a bad idea. We 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 spend the money on on all our military personnel. We train them, we, we house them, we feed them, we give them a salary. They're, they're great at what they do. They're experts. And, uh, you know, rather than just to have them uh, waiting around for a, for a war to start, maybe it wouldn't be a bad idea to, to put some Marines up there and uh, help protect. So anyways, that's all part of the dialogue, and uh, we'll leave it there. Let's... Let's move on to something a little more silly, shall we? But I do appreciate all the input and uh, cool conversation. Thank you. All right, let's let's move on to some celebrity news. You, do you like celebrity news, boys and girls? Well, uh, here's a couple of celebrity stories that kind of uh, impact my life a little bit. So I'll share them with you. Um, let's start. There's a good one and there's a bad one. A, a happy and a sad one, I should say. And uh, let me start with the sad one, which it does make me sad. So I just learned that Vern Troyer, Mini-Meat from the Austin Powers movies. Remember Mini-Me? And the uh, Austin Powers, Vern was, was born with dwarfism, and he was a really tiny, tiny guy. And I know firsthand because uh, Vern worked on a movie with me long before he did Austin Powers, before he became super famous. Um, I did a movie back in the early to mid-90s called Rocket Man, which was a movie that I starred in. I was the lead, and it was just a super fun, amazing movie. And the, the, the storyline is about the first manned mission to Mars, and I'm one of the astronauts, and I'm the first guy to step on Mars. And uh, and in our space crew to Mars, there was a chimpanzee because you know in the early space program they they sent chimps into space. So we had a chimp on board, and this was a real chimp. It was trained. It was an amazing chimp, and uh, it had a storyline in the movie. But then uh, we went out to Moab, Utah, which is a beautiful uh, natural park where the, the stones and the rock formations look like Mars. And so we filmed all the exterior Mars shots in Moab because uh, there's no vegetation. It's just all rocks. And so it, it looks it looks like Mars. If you watch the movie Rocket Man, uh, all the shots where we're on the surface of Mars, it's not a soundstage. It's its actually out in nature, in Moab. And so we had some shots where we're walking around on Mars, and there's a dust storm, and they had a bunch of wind machines, and they blew sand up, and and uh, we had to put the chimp in a spacesuit with a helmet and a glass dome helmet like most astronauts have. And, of course, this was a little too much for a real-life chimp. It was too confining. It was too claustrophobic. It was outside of a chimp's normal kind of uh, state of being to have a helmet on its head. You can only imagine, right? So this is where it gets a little weird. Um, so instead of having the chimp walk around on the surface of Moab slash Mars, they hired Vern Troyer, mini-me, to put on a chimp suit and get in the chimp spacesuit. So if you watch Rocket Man again and you see the scenes where I'm walking around holding hands with a chimp on Mars, I'm walking around holding hands with Mini-Me, Vern Troyer. And uh, I can't tell you what a nice guy he was. He was so sweet and nice and, and had a great sense of humor. And he just had a caring, loving heart. And, uh, you know, I, I met him at a point where it was before he kind of had fame and fortune smack him in the face. And so there's a real innocence and a sweetness to, to Vern. And, and I stayed in touch with him for a little bit. I remember we went to Vegas once and we hung out and we, we stayed in touch. And we, we had so much fun together on the movie, playing cards, hanging out in each other's trailers. You know, we, we really connected and had a, a cool little friendship. And... 
what happens with movies a lot when the movie kind of gets old a lot of times the friendships kind of grow old but <coughs> the memory and the friendship stays in your heart right and so Vern was always there and then sadly later in life and this plays into how Vern died I, I guess they one of the one of the things that might have contributed to it is uh, Vern's began to struggle with alcohol and he, he had uh, he was getting treatment for alcohol and it seemed like this was going on and off for a while. And then VH1 did a show back, uh, I can't remember, it was in the early 2000s, but it was a show where they'd put a bunch of kind of B-list celebrities or celebrities that were kind of fizzled out into a house together. And they'd kind of pit them against each other, and, and it was it was kind of tragic, but it was also fascinating at the same time. It was like watching a, a human train wreck. And unfortunately, on one season of the show, and I, I wish I could remember the name, but uh, Vern Troyer was one of the celebrities that moved into the celebrity house. And I was kind of excited. I was like, oh, there's my buddy Troy. Oh, my God. Oh my. And then I started watching the show because I found it fascinating. And the Vern I saw on that show wasn't the Vern that I knew when I did Rocket Man. And, and I felt really bad because the, there were scenes of Vern getting really drunk. In fact, getting so inebriated, he, could, he was barely coherent. And he was falling out of bed. And he was passing out. And he was urinating on the wall. And... It was just ugly. And then it showed him uh, scenes of him lusting after women and being kind of pervy and creepy. And then it showed him kind of being uh, having an attitude and kind of snapping at people and being short with people and kind of the, the stuff people wear when they when they kind of feel they're too important. And I'm not I'm not uh, I, I don't want to say anything bad about Vern. Like, I'm not, I'm not like, uh, being mean about the guy, but I'm just telling you the reality. And if anything, I'm defending him because, you know, I saw a Vern that I didn't recognize on that show. And I just want to say for the record, you know, most of you who saw him on that show might have the same impression. He's a bit of a nasty guy, the way he was behaving. And I just want to set the record straight that, that that might have been all the alcohol and that might have been the pressures of fame and, and some of the attitude that comes with fame and fortune and celebrity. And underneath all that, whatever what was going on in, in, in Vern's life that was, that was maybe affecting him, I'm here to, to say that that's not who Vern was, you know? He, he was a sweet, wonderful, warm-hearted, uh, generous, caring guy. And uh, I'm, I'm going to miss him, and I'm, I'm sad he passed away. And, you know, he, the, the, when they're rolling the camera when he's on that show, it must have been at a point in his life where things were just, you know, just a little crazy for the guy. You know, when you become an instant celebrity, everybody wants you. People are throwing money at you. People want to buy you drinks. People want you to do drugs. Women who wouldn't look at you before suddenly want to do stuff with you and all this stuff. And... And it can really affect your head. And I think, you know, based on all my years in Hollywood, that's what I was seeing when I saw, you know, Vern at kind of a, that low point there. And so I want I want people who saw that show to know that wasn't the true Vern, okay? He was a great, wonderful guy. And uh, he brought a lot of laughter, a lot of joy to people, whether he was mini-me or whether he was, he was one of the elves and one of the Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, Christmas movies that he did, um, or whether he was dressed up and disguised as a space monkey in Rocket Man. Uh, so thoughts and prayers to uh, Vern Troyer. Thank you for what you brought to Rocket Man. Thank you for the laughter and the joy you brought into my life and to so many others. And Vern Troyer, uh, thank you for being here on the planet with us. And little buddy, rest in peace okay uh and now on to some some more uh brighter news now this this is really oh this this lit me up 2018 this was this was a not only a 2018 highlight this was this was a a a, a career highlight so of course i've met so many celebrities i've worked with so many famous actors and people and i mean i i've just 
I've, I've met them all, and, and there's some great ones. There's some nice ones. There's some douchey ones. There's some in-between ones. Uh, and, you know, sometimes I'm, like, a little starstruck, and other times I'm like, yeah, whatever, you know. But um, sometimes you're just kind of uh, over the moon about the actual actor, and sometimes you're over the moon about the roles that the actor plays. So, so check this out. I'm at a party the other night. It was a Prince-themed party. My, my friend Christopher Titus, who's a great comedian, was hosting it with his wife, his beautiful wife. And it was all Prince theme, all Prince music and Prince videos and everything playing. And um, and I'm just mingling. I'm talking to Chris. I'm talking to some other. It's one of those things where I had to do a show that night and at, at some stand-up shows. So it was one of those parties where I dropped by for an hour, an hour and a half. I wasn't making a night out of it. So I was there by myself and I was chit-chatting and this guy walks up to me with red hair and he's like, hey man, how you doing? I remember I saw you once on the Disney lot and I said, hey, I think you're funny and you said thank you and waved to me and you know, you were really cool and and I said, oh yeah, yeah, cool, thanks man and, and I'm, I'm, I'm talking to this guy and the more I'm talking to him, it's starting to dawn on me that somehow I recognize him. And he has a distinct look. He's got little narrow, like, slitty eyes. He's got freckles and red hair. And I'm like, wait a minute. I know this guy. And he had a hat on and he had glasses. So I was, I was, I was being blocked a little bit. And then as I kept going, I, we were in the middle of a conversation about who knows what. It might have been about Canada because I found out he was from Canada. He grew up in the same city I did. So we were talking about that. We were bonding. I was enjoying my conversation with the guy. And then I stopped him in mid-sentence and I go, dude, are you Scott Farkas? And he just went, yeah, I am. <laughs> and I was, in, I was like, what the? I just lit up like a supernova. Now, if you don't know who Scott Farkas is, let me play a clip from a little movie, A Christmas Story, which is one of my favorite movies. And Scott Farkas is the neighborhood bully who bullies all the little kids at, at, in Christmas Story. And he's just, this guy was cast so perfectly because he shows up in the Christmas Story movie. Everyone in the neighborhood's a cute little kid. And then this tall, skinny kid who's like a few years older is like sneaking around behind fences and he's got these little narrow slits for eyes, red hair, freckles, steel braces on his teeth, an old beat-up leather jacket, and a coonskin hat with a tail on it. And if you've ever seen A Christmas Story, you can't, you can't not remember Scott Farkas. So here's a little clip to refresh your memory. <laughs> God, that laugh. Do you remember that guy? Scott Farkas. Now, that's what I called him, Scott Farkas. And he, he corrected me. He goes, you know, his name's not actually Scott Farkas. It's Scott. Scott Fracas or something like that. It, 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 it sounds like Scott Farkas when you watch the movie, but it's Scott Fracas or Frucas or something. And I go, what the hell? He goes, yeah, they're, they're, they're like... They're like Gaelic or German words or something. There's some kind of uh, ancient language word that scut means like like creamy diarrhea and furcus means like uh, asshole or something. Like he he told me it was it was like some some like some deeper Gaelic meaning that that it was a really like horrible horrible name and it made sense because he's such a creepy guy in the movie. And, uh, and then he told me, you know, in the movie, there's also a little sidekick. It's like, he's the big tall bully. And then he has a little, a smaller bully. And he says, originally the, uh, the, the smaller bully was supposed to be the one with all the lines. And he was just supposed to be kind of the sidekick in the background. But once they saw him on camera and saw how big he was and how he looked, they gave all the lines from the small kid to Scott Farkas. And it's just one of those casting notes where you go, well, thank God they did. Because, uh, you know, he just, he's just one of those guys, man, that you just, 
you just look at him and he's like, yep, that's the epitome of the neighborhood bully. That's kind of how you see them in your nightmares with little slits for eyes and silver braces on their teeth and that horrible laugh. Oh my God, that nightmarish laugh. Oh my God, just so good. So so here we go. Now now I'm not just shooting the breeze with, with some random stranger at a prince party on a Saturday night. No, sir. Ain't now I'm partying at a prince party with Scott Farkas, man. And I, I was just so excited because, because you know, th- there's certain movies and certain moments in movies that, that are so endearing and so amazing to me that, that you know, meeting this guy was just more of a thrill than, than meeting, like, you know, some big how-do-you-do celebrity. Because, uh, you know, the, the, his, his role is just kind of like burned into my memory banks. And it, it's got a, 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 a very uh, nostalgic spot in my heart. And it's just such a unique character, the way he looks and the way he sounded. And, oh, my God. So, so I was just on cloud nine. Probably one of my best celebrity sightings. And, and he was so excited to meet me. He's like, let's take some selfies. And he, he got my number and he texted me and he was being a buddy. And then I rarely take selfies. But I said, dude, I, I got to get some selfies. And so I, I put some, I took some selfies and put them up on my uh, Twitter page. And oh my God, I'm, I'm still super excited. So, so great to meet Scott Farkas. And uh, just dreams do come true, right? Oh, wonderful. So let's end the show right there on that super high note. Oh, my God, I love it. Uh, so there you go, uh, Scott Farkas. And again, RIP to Vern Troyer. A little celebrity wrap-up here at the end of the podcast. Uh, let's get into uh, something else. Let's see. What the heck can we get into? Oh, yes, um, where will I be doing stand-up comedy, you ask? Well, guess what, ladies and gentlemen? Uh, I will be on May 17, 18, and 19 at Stand Up Live in Phoenix, Arizona. Oh, my God, great club right down there. I think it's right down in Scottsdale, maybe, but don't quote me on that, but it's right, right downtown Phoenix, right near the basketball uh, arena. And uh, it's such a good, cool club, and I love Arizona, one of my favorite places. So please come on out to Stand Up Live May 17, 18, 19. And then the following month in mid-June, yours truly will be in Winnipeg, Winnipeg, Alberta, Canada. Or sorry, Winnipeg, Manitoba, Canada. Not Alberta, that's where Calgary is. Uh, Manitoba, and that's June 14, 15, 16 at a place called Rumors Comedy Club. And then in July, I'll be out in Cleveland, Ohio. Oh, my God. Cleveland, Ohio at Hilarities. And uh, then I'm going to be in Calgary in the middle of September with Tom Green. Me and Tom Green, two Canadian boys. I mean, so to check my, my website for all these important comedy dates, harlemwilliams.com. You can book your tickets online, players. And uh, it'll be a blast, man. Um what else? Uh, well, you're at online. Uh, please, uh, please, um, you can send me a, an email on the contact link. Anything you want, you can write to me. I read all the emails. You can phone me and leave a voicemail. 323-739-4330. 323-739-4330. And uh, also, if you want to become a premium member, you can join up $20 uh, a year and you get every episode we've ever done. That is like... If you if you break that down math wise, that's like a third of a penny per episode. In fact, you're probably going backwards and getting it for free at that point. When you when you add up all the hours and hours of entertainment you're gonna get, it's it's twenty dollars. Are you joking? One movie is is fifteen dollars. You're you're for, you're getting almost a thousand episodes for twenty dollars. Why? Because I like you people, man. Um, and that's $20 a year. And then if you just want something for free, as if $20 isn't free, if you want 100% free, get the app on your cell phone for the Harland Highway podcast. Just go into your app store, type it in, and boom, you've got the app. You can listen to us wherever you may be. Uh, and uh, there you go. So very cool. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you for the serious calls. Thank you for the silly calls. And... Uh, 
Let's just uh, everybody keep on laughing and enjoying life for as long as we can. Because we're not here for a long time, but let's try to be here for a good time. R.I.P. Vern Troyer, my friend. Miss you, buddy. Hope you're making the angels laugh. And until next time, chicken chow mein, baby. He had yellow eyes, so help me. God, yellow eyes. Ha, <laughs> ha.